Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. My thanks to Adam Burke from VSIN.com, Point Spread Weekly, is joining me here on the program as we talked uh, everything Super Bowl 56. And yes, we even talked a little Olympic hockey. And uh, that game is going to be. At 8.10 a.m. Eastern time, it's USA against China. And and here's the thing. This Chinese team is filled with North American players. It is not a full Chinese squad. There were exceptions made for this team. But this is is something that's interesting. And I want to read from an ESPN article. Um... Because it's very, very interesting when you when you see what's going on here. Okay, um, I just lost the article. Anyway, I'll pull it up for you. This Chinese team is actually a team that plays in the KHL. They're called Red Star Kunlun, and it is a part of or Kunlun Red Star, and it is a part of China's. Uh, efforts to build a hockey program. So basically a couple of years ago, China invested millions of dollars into their hockey program. They knew that they were getting the Olympics. They wanted to be in the Olympics uh, on their in their home soil and be respectable. And by respectable, I mean not losing 10 to nothing. Uh, they filled their roster with a bunch of international players. And basically, what the IIHF has allowed teams to do is that you could play uh, for a country as long as you have two years of residency. If you spend at least two years living there and playing for the national team, you can represent a country according to the IIHF. Uh, COVID-19 has forced Red Star to relocate from China to just outside Moscow because the team plays in the KHO. And they, the IIHF determined that all of the North Americans that play for this team are allowed to play 
18 of the 25 players on this Chinese hockey team grew up in North America or were born in North America. One of the players is Russian. So that's 19 of 25 are non-Chinese players. Every player is a member of the KHL team, Kunlun Red Star. The KHL team is so bad that they have been, their record in the KHL this season is, where is it? Uh, I lost their record. It's like 9 and 40-something. They're they they've been outscored ninety something goals. It's pretty bad for them in the KHL. This Kunlun Red Star team. So you the, the Chinese officials here were actually not going to enter this team into the Olympics. They felt that with the other teams having NHL players, they would get embarrassed. However, when the NHL pulled out, they decided we're going to let our team play. And that Mike Keenan, former NHL, longtime head coach, and Stanley Cup champion, uh, he coaches the team. He coaches Red Star Kunlun. They've also hired um, Phil Esposito as an advisor. Wayne Gretzky a couple of years ago served as an ambassador to help them grow the sport in the country. And in an interview with, I guess, a, a Chinese newspaper, Wayne Gretzky said, quote, he was pleasantly surprised by how much hockey there is in China. But as far as the expectations for the Olympics, he said, realistically, the best thing they want to do is be respectable. And that's it. Just don't get embarrassed. Be respectable. Team USA is minus two and a half goals in this game. The total is five and a half. Team USA might score six on their own. It is a larger rink because it's an international rink. And so that means more open ice and more opportunities for the more skilled players to dominate. In a game that features um, the, in a game that features a team that has players with NHL experience, players with international experience, players with world junior experience, a fast, athletic team going up against guys who, yes, have been playing together on this KHL squad, but have been embarrassed playing in the KHL getting dominated, it's been, (laughs) I think that this is going to be an ugly game for this Chinese team going up against Team USA. They are 9 
and 39 in the KHL. That is last place. They have a minus 97 goal differential. And think about it. No disrespect to the players that are playing for this team, especially the former, you know, the, the former AHL or NHL hopefuls. You know, Chris Chelios's son, Jake Chelios, who played at one point for the Red Wings, is on this Chinese team. I'm not trying to disrespect any of these players, but if any of them were good enough, they would be playing at least in the AHL, right? It takes, like, think about the t- think about the type of athlete, and we've all been there, right? I mean, there was a time when I was in college where I was like, I should just like go play professional baseball in Australia or something, you know? Because like I knew I wasn't ever ever going to be good enough to even do anything post college in my athletic career, so I'm like, you know what, like. I could go, you know, Australia, go play baseball or go somewhere else and make a living and whatever. Like, think about the mentality of an athlete that decides to uproot their life and move to China to play hockey in a Russian league. And yes, the KHL, some would argue, second best professional hockey league in the world. You know, maybe this, maybe this, the the um, what is it, the Illustrian, the 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 the, the, Swi- the Sweden league, Swedish league, it's pretty good. Um, Germany's got a great league as well, right? They have uh, Red Bull Munich, but um, think about the type of athlete that makes that decision. That athlete likely doesn't have options. Their playing career is likely over, and they're chasing just one last opportunity to be a professional athlete. And that means uprooting their life, going to China, playing for a Chinese hockey team in the Russian K in the KHL, the Continental Hockey League, playing in Russia, and having a chance to go to the Olympics, which is a once in a lifetime opportunity for many, and represent China in the Olympics. These players are not of the caliber of the players that will be playing for Team USA. They are not of the caliber of the players that will be playing for Canada or Russia or Finland or Sweden or the Czech Republic. I hope this team doesn't get embarrassed. Well, actually, I do in this game. I hope in the other games they don't get embarrassed. But I do hope they get embarrassed this morning because I'm on the USA pretty large at minus two and a half goals. And I would be surprised if this was not a 6 nothing type game, 7 nothing type game. Then, hey, maybe they score a goal or two. But I think the U.S. is going to eclipse this total by themselves. I think U.S. gets at least six goals in this one. And I know the Olympics so far have been low scoring. We haven't seen uh, high scoring games here so far, but I think that opens up here uh, in this game. USA minus two and a half over five and a half, eight ten a.m. Eastern time puck drop 
over in Beijing, USA against China. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. I got my hockey talk in. I'm, I'm happy. I feel okay. Coming up next, we'll get back into the Super Bowl. All the props, the side, the total. How does the game play out? Who are the picks for the MVP? Claudia Bellafato from WinBet and Blue Wire Podcast will join me on the program next. Saw her tweet something out about Evan McPherson. I'm going to try and talk some sense into her and save her some money. Why she should not, or you should not, bet a kicker to win the MVP, no matter how fun of a bet it is. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Stormy Buon and Tony on Friday the 11th at 6 p.m. for the Big Game Betting and Beers event at the South Point Casino here in Las Vegas. Stormy will be joined by our guys in the desert, Chris Andrews, Jimmy Vaccaro, and Vinny Maiulo for a fun and informative look at betting this year's big game and stories from behind the book about all the action these legends have seen over the years. The event is free for everyone over 21, so stop by the South Point on Friday the 11th at 6 p.m. to get free samples of Bookmaker Blonde Ale, Specials on Budweiser, purchase signed copies of Chris Andrews' books, and learn from these bookmaking experts. Scott Satterberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, joined in studio by Claudia Bellafato from WinBet and Blue Wire Podcasts. Claudia making her second appearance in studio on the show. I think that officially means you're a part of the family. So welcome, congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to the Super Bowl, everyone's going to be all over the prop market. It's mm-hmm. something that I've been talking about for weeks now. I might have too much invested on props, but it's okay because <laughs> I'm going to sit and enjoy the game. Have you settled your prop portfolio yet, or are you still working on it? It's ongoing, but but once the market opened up, I definitely have been hammering every prop as I go along. But the issue is, which I'm trying to um, you know, limit my exposure right now because everyone sort of has an idea of how they think the game's going to go. So like with Mixon, I was like, oh, I want to hit his under rushing. And now I'm like, oh, well, now I want his catches. So I think he'll be involved in the passing game. And and I want to hit on all of these props that make sense for how I think the game's going to go. But we all know the parody that has happened this season. Nothing really goes as expected. So if I have all of these props wrapped up, 
then you know i'm kind of screwed so i have to i'm trying to avoid that get some fun ones in there you know i'm getting money mac over field goals and mm-hmm. I, i'm trying to find some more of the fun props but it's definitely ongoing i try to get you know the overs at the right time and you know uh wait for the unders if i really like something if i think it's gonna get bet more but for now i, I have a pretty good selection <laughs> let's talk about mcpherson yeah. and the kicking props I'm going to be on longest field goal over 47 and a half. I think that when it comes to McPherson, especially, there's such a trust factor with how incredible he's been this season and in the postseason especially. Mm -hmm. And I think that with a game of this magnitude, with coaches that know each other so well, they're going to take the points. I don't think that there's going to be a go for it on fourth and three from the 37-yard line. I think it's let's send McPherson out for a 51-yarder. Well, especially with how the Bengals have been in the red zone, right? It's like that's worrisome if your team is not good in the red zone. But when you have a kicker like him, it makes you feel a little bit better. I went over one and a half field goals. Um, It was at minus 115. I think it's juiced way up now. So I'm happy I got it when I did. But I do like your prop as well for a lot of the same reasons that, you know, I bet mine. Like you said, he he's one of the clutchest players, I think. Like, never mind kickers. Just the fact that they can rely on him so much, 12 for 12 in the postseason. Hasn't missed an attempt since week 16. Yeah. Over one and a half field goals, he hit in seven straight, eight of his last 10. And I'm not going to lie. I don't know if I told you guys this last time, but I usually have a beer money pick. So he's my beer money. MVP. Save it. Save it. Odds. Save it. Save it. <laughs> Save it and get yourself another beer. Because 60 to one people, first of all, 60 to one is a bad number because you can get a, you can get a thousand, you can get a hundred to one. Okay. He's plus a thousand over at Boyd and at a couple other places here. He was at 150 to one at DraftKings, so you can get a much better number than 60 to one. But save your money because a kicker is never going to win the Super Bowl MVP. Okay, never ever. If the Bengals win this game, Claudia, nobody besides Joe Burrow is winning the MVP. Oh, I and agree. and. You are a Patriots fan. Yes. So this is the example that I always bring up, and I've been doing it every night on this show. I've brought up this example. Super Bowl 36. I believe it was 36. Tom Brady's first Super Bowl. The story surrounding that team the entire year was Brady coming in for Bledsoe, leading that team to the Super Bowl. In that game, against the Rams, against the greatest show on turf, right? Ty Law has an interception return for a touchdown. Adam Vinatieri kicks two field goals, including the game winner, and your Super Bowl MVP, whose (laughs) stat line was 145 passing yards, Tom Brady. Yeah. Joe Burrow would have to have less than 100 yards passing and three interceptions, and the Bengals still win the game for him not to get the MVP. No, trust me. I mean, when Stafford came out as the favorite, which we expected, I was like, to get Joe Burrow at plus money for MVP sounds crazy. Of course. I am on the Bengals to win this game, and yes, it starts with Joe Burrow. It ends with Joe Burrow in the offense if he's well protected. So I agree. You know, not a joke. Maybe I have too much faith in Money Mac, but just watching him, the confidence, the swag he has calling wins, it's like, how do you not want to put maybe some unreasonable money on him? (laughs) There's been uh, a couple of great kicking performances in the Super Bowl that he would have to eclipse in order to be into consideration. Garrett Hartley made three 40-plus yard field goals for the Saints. He wasn't considered for the MVP. And when the 49ers beat the Bengals, Ray Wershing had five, no, four field goals, five field goals. He set the record for the most field goals in a game. Still, Joe Montana was the MVP of that game. So 
Joe Burrow, and this brings me to this point. You like the Bengals. Instead of betting Bengals money line, bet Joe Burrow to win the MVP because you're going to get more of a payout. Yeah. And that's what I said, the exposure. I, I definitely have exposure. I'm trying to limit it, but I do. <laughs> like, I already I put a little on Burrow to win MVP. I already put money on Bengals plus four and a half. Bengals money line. Bengals minus four and a half for some plus money. Like Very confident I, in the Bengals. I, I am confident in the Bengals. I've been on the, ba- the bandwagon all year, and I'm not going to hop off it. Which does scare me because on paper, of course, the Rams are the better team, specifically in the trenches. So my thing is, if the Bengals can survive in the trenches and they Mm -hmm. just don't allow nine sacks and they can get to Stafford, then they can win the game. And the Rams probably will get a lead and they probably will win the first half. And and that's a bet that I will definitely make. But we've seen the Rams give up 18-point leads. And we've seen Mm -hmm. the Bengals really be unfazed when they're falling behind and come back. So... That is sort of the way I'm seeing it, and that's how I'm playing a lot of props into it. Um, yeah. I don't want to say I have too much faith in the Bengals, but I just think from what we've seen, and then, too, what we saw from Matthew Stafford, it's like, yes, he's been great in the postseason, but we know he, we know that he can a make pick a six waiting picks. to happen. Yeah. Yes, which uh, can be, you know, the game changer. So let's talk about Bengals props. Uh, I'm on Joe Burrow over 11 and a half rushing yards. I do think that because of the pressure that Aaron Donald forces up the middle, there will be uh, opportunities for him to escape the pocket on the outside. Plus, I love the adjustment he made from the Titans game to the Chiefs game. Sacked nine times in that Titans game, and only once in the Chiefs game, and several times in that Chiefs game, he should have been sacked, could have been sacked, Mm -hmm. and he used his legs and ran for positive yardage. 11 and a half is such a small number here. I know he doesn't run a lot, but considering what we saw in the AFC Championship game, and considering this is also the last game of the season, right? Let's let's right. quote let's quote <laughs> let's quote Dan Fouts from the Water Boy. It's the last game of the year. Can't hold anything back now. I think he gets over 11 and a half rushing yards. I agree. Those were a lot of the same reasons I said with Pat Mahomes too. I don't know if you remember last time you asked about rushing. Mm-hmm. I agree with all of that, and I keep saying, too, it's not like the O-line's getting any better, but it's almost like Burrow's getting more comfortable. Yeah. He, you know, he's so used to the pressure all season long, but especially with these big games. I agree. I like the rushing. I'm going to go over attempts for him. I got it at 36 and a half, and I kind of went between him and Stafford looking at both, and I like Stafford over passing, too, but I'm going to go Burrow with attempts. He's hit it in four of the last five and they, he hit it even when they were a little more conservative against the Chiefs, which makes me feel better. With his yards at 275 and a half, that's how I kind of like to correlate it when I'm looking at attempts as well. Every time except for one, he's gone over the yards prop. He's had 35 or more attempts. So I do like the attempts. It, it works with my game script. The Rams allowing the third most attempts as well. Uh, and like you you and I both said, it's going to come down to him having a big role in the passing game, well, you know, being the main part of the passing game. So I like him with attempts. How about uh, the receiving props for the Bengals? I like both Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon, but I might go Samaj P. Ryan because he's only eight and a half yards. Mm. And oh, I, wow. I think that there's going to be some dump-offs, I think some screen passes, and we saw the 41-yard touchdown that he had against the Chiefs. So mm-hmm. maybe there's some more utilization for P. Ryan in this game. I like it. I agree that I think we're going to see a lot of short passes as well, a lot of short quick plays like we have seen all season i mean cincinnati led the league in short dropbacks so that's something joe borrow is really comfortable with i'm gonna go mixing over three and a half catches here i also like 24 and a half receiving i don't know which one i'm going to play but i i lean over on both 
We've seen a lot of the quick plays to mix in in the postseason specifically, and this is a good matchup because the Rams rank 24th against running backs in the passing game. They're giving up an average of five catches a game to running backs. He's averaging just over five in the last five, six targets in the last five. Um, I do see him going over this. I was surprised to see it so low. I don't know, again, if that's playing too much into how I think the game's going to go, but he's gone over the receiving yards as well in the last five straight. So, yeah, I'm going to go mix in here. She is Claudia Bellafato. You follow her on Twitter at TV. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up at Scott's on air. We will continue to break down the Super Bowl and talk about the MVPs. We know Joe Burrow is the play for the Bengals, but how about for the Rams? Where's the value there? This is The Look Ahead. Don't forget, you can follow us all on Twitter at Live. Be sure to head to vcin.com. Find out all the ways to watch and view us here on the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Do you have questions about betting the Super Bowl? Wondering about how to hedge? Or maybe you are looking for an unusual prop or insights from one of our hosts? Well, the VSIN Big Game Help Desk is here for you. Submit your questions at vsin.com/slash Super Bowl, and it can be answered by one of our experts on the air or on vsin.com. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN. Joined in studio by Claudia Bellafato from Bet uh, Win Bet Bet to Win is yes. the name of the show Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we talked about the props. You're obviously on the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm. Can we talk about the Rams here for a moment? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I do like a couple of Rams props. Odell Beckham Jr. over 63 and a half is going to be my favorite one. Yep. I think with all of the attention that is going to be on Cooper Cup plus. The way that he's utilized in this offense, Cooper Cup lines up in the slot at times. He's in motion a lot. Odell Beckham Jr. is always being covered one-on-one on the outside. Mm. And he's so good with those, you know, out routes to the sideline. He's so good at those stop routes. And this is a guy that averages 12 and a half yards per catch. I think he easily goes over his 63 and a half. Yeah, no, I love it. And I, I think, too, we're going to see a lot of what we saw in the last game. We know they're going to be – the coverage is going to be tight on Coop and I think uh, – on Cooper Cup. And I think that Odell sort of likes that, that he's not the main star, and especially yeah. in a big game like this where he is going to be needed. I almost see it as sort of an X factor, right? It's like the defense is going to have to, to focus on both of them so much where I think he goes over that. I haven't played it yet, but I agree. I'd go over – I'm going to look to Cam Akers if we're talking Rams here, and I'm going to go under. I don't love unders, but I was taking a look at his numbers, and at 16 and a half attempts, I got to go under. I mean, the Bengals have allowed only 19 rush attempts a game to running backs. McVay said this week, too, with Henderson coming back, he's going to basically split it between the three, him, Michelle, and Akers. So I'm assuming McVay was basically like, whoever has a hot hand, I'm going to keep them in. I just don't see that being Akers. Um, I don't expect him to outshine him in four games this season, right? Like he's only played four games yeah. and he's only gone over this twice. He's averaging just 2.8 yards per carry in the postseason. I don't think that's enough. You're talking about the big game that Odell's going to have. I don't think that's enough when the Super Bowl is on the line. And only 22% of his carries this season have been positive EPA. So 
I just don't think the production that we're seeing from him is going to be enough. I don't know if there's going to be a huge 180 in this game. I'm not expecting it to. I'm expecting a bigger game from uh, Michelle and Henderson. So I would go under on Akers attempts. I like it. Uh, as far as the MVP market for the Rams, anybody besides Matthew Stafford that piques your interest? Donald. Hell Aaron yeah. Donald? I like Aaron Donald. Yeah, sort of like with the Bengals. You know, we said Joe Burrow is going to win MVP if the yeah. Bengals win because the way that they win is with him. I think when it comes to the Rams, it, it's all on the defense. And Donald, I know the storyline everyone's saying, well, he's not leading the league in sacks and this and that. I mean, he's tied for seventh in the league with sacks. He's second in total pressures. He has a career best 77 tackles. And one thing, too, that I like to look at, I mean, if you saw that game, the past few games, really, the pressure that he and the front seven put on Brady, Jimmy G in that last game, the the leadership, you know, he took the team aside and he said, listen, guys, we're falling behind here. You know, this is on us to get the win. And then the Niners were kept scoreless the rest of the game after that. So I think the sort of veteran presence and the leadership he brings to the team. And again, he's a sort of guy when in a big game situation like this, I think that honestly, it's pretty good value to get. I got at 15 to one. Um, I like Donald on the Rams. Uh, see, I'm good. I, I like Donald and I'll probably play him as well. But along that defensive front seven, I'm going to play Leonard Floyd. And currently on the DraftKings Sportsbook, he's at 150 to 1. And I've shopped around here in town, and I found it at 100 to 1, is the best I've found it here in town. Everyone talks about the stats that a guy like Aaron Donald could get, or even Von Miller. And Von Miller, imagine he's a two-time Super Bowl MVP, would be absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Last time a defensive player won the award, it was yep. Von Miller. But all of those numbers, Leonard Floyd could get those. He could get two and a half sacks. He could get a strip sack, maybe a scoop and score. Or how many times have we seen, even in this postseason, a linebacker drop back into coverage and jump up and tip a ball and maybe even intercept it? Like, there's a chance for Leonard Floyd to make some plays in this game at 100 to 1 or 150 to 1. You want to talk about throwing some beer money and having a sprinkle here. <laughs> uh, I'm, how about throw a case of beer money on that? And when it's done... You, you buy the bar, you know, <laughs> you yeah. buy rounds for everybody. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's what sort of makes it hard too. And that's why, you know, Stafford is the favorite Burrow is the second, because we know that they're going to be an integral part of the game. But when you have such a good defense that the Rams has, it's like, who is going to have the biggest game? So I think that you can find value in, you know, mainly three guys on defense, but um, those two for sure. Let's talk novelty props. It's my favorite part of the game. <laughs> the Gatorade color. Well, that's that's an additional one, and and we could talk halftime show if you like too, because I got my theories. But as far as the no touchback on the opening kickoff, we know the numbers. Twenty six yeah. of the last twenty eight Super Bowls, it has not been a touchback. This number was at plus one forty, plus one sixty. It's now here at circa minus one fifteen. <laughs> so everybody's betting this no touchback. And then it's crazy because like people are just going off of trends, right? And mm -hmm. it's funny because throughout the season we always say. Trends aren't predictive. We can't expect this. We can't expect that. But people are solely, clearly putting a lot of money on these purely trend-based uh, props. I'm not touching that one. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to lay the chalk with it. But it is crazy to see how much these lines do move, especially with the, the anthem and the timing and all that. It's like, dude, I, I wonder, too, which they probably don't, but the crew, like when everyone finds out the order of songs and all that, I'm not going to say it. 
can we can, can we can we not spill the beans here? I'm no, not. What happens but I'm is saying, are I'll they tell you what happens. Are what happens. What happens is uh, as the books take the bets off after rehearsal. Right. Right. So rehearsal occurs usually on sometimes on Friday, most of the time on Saturday. As soon as rehearsal goes off, the book takes the bets off. Mostly, like, no real books have this bet. It's only, like, offshores. Right, yeah, offshore. um, and they always remove it right after rehearsal. Remember last year, some moron tweeted out the video outside yeah. the stadium, and the bets got pulled early because mm-hmm. this guy took the video with his phone outside the stadium, like, ruining it for everybody. I just wonder, this is a massive, cons- I'm a conspiracy mm-hmm. theorist, but what if someone who's in the inner workings of the production yep. leaks some information? Yeah, it's happened. So his side gets... Gets bad. Yeah, it's happened. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like I, that's uh, what I was uh, two or three years ago, I hit Jenny on Jenny Jenny for the block first song halftime show. Uh, let's talk about um, let's, let's talk about uh, two point conversions. Will there be a successful two point conversion? Yes or no? I'd go yes. Yes at plus two two forty. Plus two forty. Yeah, yeah. I'm on it. Yes to. Uh, how about um, let's see. No touchback. We talked about no two point conversion. Talked about. Oh, I love this one. I love plus money. I'm on this. Over two and a half players to attempt a pass. Oh. So we can get. What's the what's the juice? It's you're getting plus money on that. Plus money on the yes. Yeah. Now we've Uh, seen Odell Beckham Jr. in this playoffs. I know. I know. Through a pass in the regular season, Cooper Cup threw a pass in the regular season. Johnny Hecker, the punter, threw a pass on a fake punt. We could have. We could have a Philly special in this game. Some sort of (laughs) trick play, and also. I keep saying this. You never want to root for injuries, right? Knock on wood, nobody gets hurt in this game. Mm-hmm. But what if, like, Joe Burrow rushes and dives and his helmet comes off? And he has to come off the field for oh, one play. Soft. And Brandon Allen comes in. And he attempts a pass. Okay, yeah. You no, hit, the that, war, you hit it then. It's true. There are, there's a number of ways this, this prop can hit. And yeah. over two and a half players to attempt to pass. Yeah, hopefully without injury. But you're right. They might want to switch things up, not want to be vanilla. <laughs> Who knows? Just, I, just, I guess that plus money. Sure. Just pitch it to it's Odell. Beer money. Beer money play. But pitch yeah. it to Odell and let him throw. He's a peacock. You got to let him fly. Uh, let's talk. You, you, do you have a read on the Gatorade color? No, I, I wish. I mean, I, I haven't seen it because I didn't look at too many offshore books. But I feel let, like blue. Just or no, maybe No, because they wouldn't do orange because that's more Bengals. Well, right. there's actually our own Stormy uh, did a actual thing on this oh, I where love it. where um, <laughs> it's never it's very rare that it's the team color. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's so ver- I, so yeah. bet if you want to just bet orange or blue because you think Rams and Bengals don't because it's very, very rare mm. that the team color is the same color as the Gatorade. Mm. Green? No, green's not a Gatorade color. Well, it, actually, they would say White. yellow, lime, it all counts. <laughs> clear, which would be water. Clear, yeah. That, that would be my yeah. bet, would be clear water. And then That's a safe bet. First, show, first song of the halftime show, what are you going with? Oh. I'm going I, with, I might know something, so I don't know how much I want to expose it. I, I, where I, are you going? I'm going California Love. We got like 30 seconds here. California Love, just for the first line, okay. where Dre says, let me welcome everybody to the wild, wild west. Then the music stops, and then the beat for Still Dre comes on. Sounds, and then Snoop walks out with like, his like Still know Dre, you know, things. And <laughs> shouting out to the crowd and all that stuff. His side job is production manager for the halftime. <laughs> I'm just saying, Jenny from the block. I have a track record when it comes to these things. 
She's Claudia Bellafato. Follow her on Twitter at CBellafato TV. Listen to Bet to Win, brought to you by WinBet and Blue Wire Podcasts. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VEASAN. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN has a great new offer that can only be described as madness. You get VSIN all access to everything we do from now through the College Basketball Championship on April 4th for only $29. Sign up now and get our daily best bets emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus Full access to vcin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. This deal only happens once a year, so don't miss out. Uh, go to vcin.com slash madness to sign up today. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on vcin, the sports betting network. Uh, it's an exciting week, uh, Super Bowl week. Radio Row is in full swing as uh, all the, you know, players, coaches, celebrities, everybody's making the rounds. More so you will see here on Thursday and Friday. Those are the really two big days of uh, Radio Row. But uh, here on the network, we've done a, a good job of getting some guests on that are making the rounds there in Los Angeles that are doing the interview rounds and talking about this game. And when it comes to Joe Burrow, so much has been talked about the success that he has had, the charmed life, if you will, over the past couple of years. What sands the injury? The injury obviously takes a lot out of it. But one of the greatest offensive seasons in college football history, national championship, Heisman Trophy, number one overall pick, now a Super Bowl in his first full season. Like his second season in the NFL, but his first full season? Well, his college coach, Ed Orgeron, was a guest on Follow the Money here on Wednesday morning talking about the talent and the ability and intangibles that come with one Joe Burrow. A lot of quarterbacks will cave when the pressure is on. This kid, I mean, there's a reason why everybody's calling him the no, the new Joe Cool. Why is it that he's able to shine whenever the pressure's on? 
He's got it, man. He wants it. He wants the big stage. Bring it. You ain't going to rattle him. You ain't going to get to him. I, I couldn't get to him. I couldn't get to him as a recruiter. Come on. I, I mean, he, he, just, he, just, he, has a, he has a plan. His mind is set. But his intelligence factor, his work ethic, and his confidence enables him to do that. Now, when, you know, when UCF blindsided him, they blindsided him. And he was laying on, laying on the ground. I was calling for the second-base quarterback. I called timeout. And I'm calling for a targeted penalty. And, I, and he hears me say, get Miles Brennan ready. <laughs> he says, F that. And we are now 14-0. UCF was kicking our butt. It was an early morning game. We now 14-0. We went ahead and scored the next three series. That lay, that made that made the team and everybody know what Joe Burrow's made of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember the game. I think it's the greatest. Uh, <laughs> I think it's the greatest season any quarterbacks had in the history of oh. college football. Sixty touchdowns, <laughs> six interceptions. You guys went undefeated and averaged forty points a game. Just a remarkable uh, season. Coach Edo on follow the money earlier here on Vsin and. You know, he talked uh, more about Burrow and just how smart of a player he is. Called him one of the smartest football players that he's ever been around. And such high praise for um, for Joe Burrow. And that's this is a guy who um, admitted that he didn't know about him until they brought him in for a recruiting visit. Let, let's let's remember the path. For Joe Burrow, he went to Ohio State and transferred and was actually wanted to go to Nebraska where his father played and and they didn't want him. And he came to LSU on a recruiting trip and Ed Orgeron went up to talk to him and Joe Burrow was like, I'm okay. Like, like he... He didn't want to hear the recruiting pitch. He just wanted to watch what was going on with the program. Watch practice. Watch the game. Take in everything about the football program. And decided to go to LSU where Ed Orgeron and Joe Brady built that offense around him. And he just absolutely took off. What an incredible year it was and just an amazing three-year run for Joe Burrow in in this uh, in his career. Like I said, you know, you go from winning the SEC national championship, undefeated season, Heisman Trophy, and then you're drafted number one overall, and, and next thing you know, you're in the Super Bowl. Just absolutely unbelievable. Well, speaking of the Super Bowl, uh, the point spreads. How much do the coaches know about it? How much do they tell their players? Or do the players know about it? Dick Vermeil, former Rams head coach, uh, joined the Follow the Money crew on Wednesday and talked about whether or not they know what's going on with the gambling line. In terms of the point spread and the total, the Rams are laying in a four and a half total around 48 and a half for the game. As a guy who coached in the league, for many, many years, and we've talked about this several times on this network, Coach, like, did you ever pay attention to the point spread? Did you ever use it as motivation to your players? I used 
used as a motivation when I was coaching UCLA against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. I think we are between 16 and 18 point underdog because they had beaten us soundly in the regular season. And I, I use it as motivation at that time. Uh, in the NFL, I really didn't. Uh, first off, I didn't know what I didn't want to know what the point spread was because I didn't want to know we were going to lose the game before we played it. You know, I was that scary. You pick up your comfort. How could you do a good job walking in the uh, meeting room with your team and say, "Guys, we're, we're minus five this weekend." Holy mackerel! We better stay home. You know, I wouldn't. I just stayed away from that. But I, uh, I also. No, uh, now as a fan, the last 15, 16 years, it's scary how close and accurate it can be. <laughs> Why was that number so big? I know that Ohio State team, I think that was 1975, that Ohio State team was undefeated and ranked number one. Uh, yeah. And, and you guys actually pulled off the outright upset in that game, right? Yes, we did. Yeah, it was the, one of the biggest thrills in my entire coaching career. Yeah. You know, you can win a lot of things as a coach as part of a team. But when you beat somebody that's better than you are, that's when you really gain the satisfaction and respect for your organization, your coaches, and your players. My God, yeah, I'll never forget that game. I'll never forget walking off the field. I will never forget Woody Hayes walking across the field with seconds to go in the game and giving me a hug and saying, great job of coaching, young man. That's exactly what he said. Turn around and walk back across the field. Yeah. Can it be an advantage sometime to have that underdog mentality like the Bengals are going to have in this game, like uh, UCLA had against Ohio State in that Rose Bowl? Yeah, yeah. I used that in 1980 a little bit when we went to the Super Bowl. I, 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 I talk to our kids uh, often about never allow anyone to take you for granted. Never allow anyone to take you for granted. You know, and uh, it just – I, I use that. We ended up winning the game and losing the Super Bowl. I probably should have said it again in the Super Bowl. But <laughs> I was probably say, wouldn't have been coach that day. Right. It worked. It worked for you. So it should have been something uh, you, you went to more often. Uh, so you, you like the Rams. What do you think the score is going to be on Sunday? Oh, I'm not a predictor of score. Okay. But I, I think both teams will be in the – I think the Rams could be in the 30s. I really do. Maybe they won't be, but I think they could be in the 30s. Uh, you know, it's going to come down – to the team that doesn't turn the ball over or the team that takes the ball away. It's going to come down to a team that doesn't get a great play call back because of holding or doesn't commit a bad area by uh, holding downfield pass interference and the ball moves 50 yards inside of the five-yard line or a bad call by the official. I'd like the game to be that <laughs> close. If the game does separate, I think the Rams will be the team that separates it. You know, you said something there. I had to follow up on that. Do you think the NFL's got an officiating problem? It's a, it's a totally different game the way it's officiated from when you were a coach. Well, they give them a lot more to call, okay? Uh-huh. And the offenses are so much more sophisticated, you know, than they were in the in the 80s. It's like comparing a 1980 Cadillac with a 2021 Cadillac. And they might be about the same size, but they're all bigger, faster, and more technology. And the uh, NFL offenses and defenses are equivalent to that. But, I, 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 you know, it's just they give them so many things to call. But the thing I think, when you get into these big games, they call less. You get away with a little more. And I've, I've witnessed that in my own mind watching uh, the playoff games, the great playoff games, the best I've ever seen the last few weeks. I, I've seen things that would have been called in a normal game that weren't called in the playoff game because an official doesn't want to be 
the guy that decides who wins the game, you know. That was Dick Vermeil on Follow the Money earlier here on VSIN. Coming up next, our very own Wes Reynolds joins me here on The Look Ahead. Smart journalism, fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to—like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Deadline. 